You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And welcome. You are locked on to the NBA. My name is Nick Angstead, the host of the Locked On Mavericks podcast. And I'm filling in for David Locke today. And Ben Golliver is here with us, as always, from the Washington Post. Ben, what an incredibly crazy night in the NBA. Nick, it's a pleasure to meet your acquaintance. As they say, I wish it was under better circumstances. Uh, you know, tonight everything just unraveled in, in a way that we've never really seen in the NBA previously. Uh, this afternoon, the NBA's Board of Governors met and they were discussing possible approaches to the coronavirus. One idea was to play the games without any fans in the stadiums. One idea was to postpone or suspend the season for a time period. They did not come to a resolution. They had decided, hey, you know what, we're going to make our decision on Thursday. And instead, the decision was made for them. Uh, later Wednesday night in Oklahoma City, uh, it became Bear Utah Jazz Center had tested positive uh, preliminarily for the coronavirus. Now, he had been battling a, a flu or some other illness in the days beforehand, um, and they got that positive result just before tip-off. That led to kind of a scramble at the arena. They wound up uh, you know, postponing or canceling that game uh, just before tip-off. They sent the fans home, but players from both teams remained in the locker room for hours after tip-off, presumably uh, to be tested uh, and in a sense, uh, you know, being quarantined as well. Um, meanwhile, uh, a second game was canceled and postponed uh, Wednesday night uh, between the Sacramento Kings and New Orleans Pelicans in Sacramento uh, because one of the game officials had previously worked uh, the Monday night game in Utah. Uh, Courtney Kirkland had worked that game uh, where Rudy Gobert had obviously played. So you had two games canceled, and they, but more importantly, the headline story here is Nick. Uh, the rest of the NBA season has been indefinitely suspended um, as the NBA seeks to figure out what its next steps are going to look like here as it battles the coronavirus. And just an unprecedented move to just suspend play and to not play any more games and really not to have an end in sight. I mean, we're all kind of waiting for the coronavirus to, you know, I guess run its course. That's kind of a bad way to say it, but we're not really sure when it's going to start, you know, decreasing in the amount of, in the amount of uh, positive tests. And maybe that's how long it takes. We did hear from Woj, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski on ESPN. He said that uh, prior to tonight, all the, you know, um, people that he had been talking to said that if a player had tested positive for coronavirus, they would have a 12 to 14 day quarantine for any player that was tested positive. And that's what they talked about before tonight. So are we thinking that maybe this is what happens with the NBA, that they test all the players and wait this 12 to 14 day period? Or are we just, we have no idea what's going on from here. We have no idea, but I would encourage all of our listeners to kind of prepare for the worst case scenario. And I think the worst case scenario here is that the rest of this regular season uh, and the playoffs would be canceled. You know, you have to understand how, you know, in such confined quarters that these players operate in. So, I mean, not only is it the locker rooms, but it's the team planes. It's all the hand handshakes and hugs before and after games. I mean, Rudy Gobert has come into contact uh, possibly, you know, in, in first or second degree to hundreds of people around the NBA. And I think there's going to be a scramble here, I would assume, uh, from league officials to kind of line up tests uh, for anyone who's kind of come in contact with him and the Jazz here in recent days. Now, to imagine a scenario where, uh, you know, potentially, uh, you know, things abate in the NBA as possible. But remember, it's not just about the people who are in the league here. It's about the entire country and the entire world as a whole 
And what we're seeing is that this uh, coronavirus uh, is expanded very rapidly. Uh, it's There's more confirmed cases every day. You know, the government is issuing statements like travel bans to Europe over the next 30 days. And so we've really reached a tipping point where, you know, the, our response to this disease is going to govern and guide our lives here going forward in the immediate future. And in a climate like that, it's very difficult to see, you know, our sporting events going to be a priority. Now, if you're in, in the NBA uh, league office, you know, obviously you would love to put on the playoffs in some form because we're looking at, you know, potentially, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars lost in revenue and and uh, television rights deals and everything else i mean this is going to be a massive hit for the league one way or another so of course they're going to investigate everything they can do to get this season back on track but it's quite possible that basketball fans like us are going to be without the sport for quite a while and it's a good point that you make that this is more than just you know about sporting events yeah we're on here talking about the nba it's locked on nba uh, we have so many podcasts covering every single team but this is a this is a humanity issue this is you know us trying to figure out how this is going to um, you know play out throughout the rest of you know the the time coronavirus is in you know our daily lexicon i mean we don't know exactly what's going to continue how people are going to get tested how many more people are going to come in contact with it uh, this social distancing you know, thing is becoming um, something that everybody is talking about. Self quarantining, all this, all this kind of stuff. And here we are talking about, you know, whether the NBA is going to continue. So everyone yeah, and, out there, you know, continue let, to, you know, just play it safe. And I think this is something we need to take seriously. Exactly right. And let let me just jump in and say, look, we had some major developments on that front today. I mean, the World Health Organization officially declared it a pandemic. More than a hundred thousand people have been infected globally. You've got Italy basically closing all restaurants, closing lots of places of business to try to slow and combat the spread of the disease in that country where it's really taken off. Uh, you had the NCAA announce that it was going to hold all of its March Madness tournaments without fans. And so, like I said, we have definitely reached a, a tipping point in, in kind of the, um, the, uh, the, the worldwide or the widespread response to this disease. And so I think that you're going to see in the next few days uh, decision makers trying to take deliberate steps, right? You don't want to rush into the wrong decision. You want to make sure you're being smart uh, and, and protecting everyone's health and safety. But what happens is Rudy Gobert winds up being sort of a test case where like, you know, if it can happen to him, it can happen to everyone. And I think it does reframe uh, sort of everyone's thinking, uh, you know, along these lines. I mean, let's be honest, there's going to be a real battle to regain the public's trust, right? If you're a fan at one of those games who was sent home, um, it's going to spook you for a long time. You're going to have memories of being at that situation. If you're one of those reporters who's been covering Rudy Gobert these last couple of days, you know my heart really goes out to you, and I hope that you're okay, and I hope that you're able to get tested if necessary. Uh, and this is not something that we're going to be able to take lightly or just move past. I mean, this is going to be you know, quite a trauma for the NBA. And I think it's worth pointing out, I mean, we can officially say that this has been uh, the toughest single season in modern NBA history. When you look at the, the Hong Kong controversy, the tragic death of Kobe Bryant, and now the coronavirus crisis, um, you know, suspending the season, uh, you know, three quarters of the way through, the NBA has never seen anything like this. Yeah, you, you can't even look back and try and think. Of, I mean, you could talk about lockouts and things like that, but those don't even pale in comparison to, you know, what we're talking about now, the things that the NBA has gone through this season. How is the do you know have any idea how the NBA is prepared to handle something like this? Uh, we've been hearing so much information from all different sides, and it seems like it took a while for Rudy Gobert to even get tested. They didn't really even have a, a thing in place to test Rudy Gobert. So how is the NBA prepared to kind of handle something like this? 
we can tell from their response this week that they were caught flat-footed, that they were caught off balance. You know, I mean, this thing accelerated very, very rapidly. And just the mere fact that they came out of that meeting without a resolution and then a few hours later had to abruptly cancel games and suspend the season tells you that they weren't uh, fully ready for the magnitude of this moment. And I do think it's worth uh, pointing out that, uh, you know, in these kinds of situations, a lot of times private organizations like the NBA take their cues from governmental leaders. And I think that if you look back over the last two months, there's been a significant delay in the severity of kind of the language that was used to describe this crisis by some key governmental um, personalities. And I'm not sure if that lulled people into a false sense of security. I'm not sure if it just kind of delayed uh, response times, but you're seeing, you know, private organizations across the country, uh, companies sending their, uh, their employees home, telling them to work from home, uh, you know, canceling any type of uh, big time events over a thousand people a lot of uh you know universities are closing classes and moving to remote classes i mean these are things that you could argue probably should have taken place as long as a month ago uh in an ideal situation or perhaps even more than a month ago and we just you know the the light switch didn't flip for us uh, as a society until one could argue that was a little bit too late and so I, i don't think that the nba is solely to blame here in terms of its response time and how it's handled things, uh, but certainly it's not immune from criticism. Yeah, and at this point, man, it's hard to say if we should, you know, if we're taking it too serious, if the NBA is taking it too seriously, or if the NBA is, like you say, acting, you know, too late on this because uh, there's just so much unknown at this point. Mark Cuban even said, you know, on the court today that they, the Mavericks, were waiting for the league to take action in order to uh, decide what the Mavericks were going to do. And it seems like that has sort of happened with the NBA. The NBA was waiting for you know the, the U.S. government to try and, and make a decision on it uh, and took exactly their cue right. from there. Exactly right. You know, the, the teams were turning to the league. The league was turning to the government. And you saw that the first, uh, you know, the first move actually came from the city of San Francisco, right? I mean, they yeah. were the ones who earlier Wednesday basically said, look, you know, Golden State Warriors, you can't have your typical games. You can't have thousands of fans coming to the Chase Center um, and so, you know, ultimately, the agreement that they had initially reached was that um, the Warriors were going to hold games without fans going forward. And they had scheduled to do that on Thursday night. Now, obviously, that game and, and the rest of the NBA games around the league are, are not going to happen. So uh, it's absolutely a, uh, a case of everyone turning to authority, not being the one who, who wants to make a very tough and very costly decision. But, Nick, I think we should underline this point. This was an easy call, right? I mean, when you're talking about the level of contact between these players, uh, the amount of travel that they have to do, the amount of just the size and scope of the apparatus covering these games, hundreds of media members, uh, you know, descending on playoff games. uh, And then, of course, tens of thousands of fans trying to go to games. This was untenable, right? This was not going to last for a long time. And, And I do think that, you know, ultimately suspending the season here so that everybody else can kind of take a deep breath and figure it out. It was the right move, and hopefully we don't hear too much criticism of that decision. Yeah, I think it was the right move, but I think that the NBA, there's so many people this affects. I mean, down to, they talk about the arena workers, and Mark Cuban said that they'll have um, you know, some kind of program in place for the hourly workers that work in the arena because those people will now be without you know jobs that they really needed in their life. And so there's just so many people that rely on the NBA. I mean, even down to somebody like myself who you know works on you know NBA podcasts and does social media off of games and does a lot of things that really you know rely on the NBA. That the NBA just wanted to see how long they could last, and they were 
coming up with all these ideas that you mentioned earlier. You know, they mentioned the six to eight foot radius away from NBA players for the media. They mentioned playing games without players. And it seems like they tried to come up with all these different ways to try and keep games going because so many people rely on it that, you know, at the, at the end of the day, they just decided, you know what, this is just too much. We can't stretch it to a certain point. And like you said, they came up with the, you know, the right decision to just suspend games. Right. And I don't think that, that that brainstorming that you're describing, that process is not over. Right. Because if you're the NBA, True. if you if you can find something that you're capable of televising, if you just say, look, we're going to take the 16 playoff teams and we're going to try to find a neutral site and put them through some sort of a, uh, uh, a simulated playoff uh, scenario that they can run in, in May through June, if uh, things do die down, then, of course, you, if you're the league, you're going to pursue that type of opportunity. Right. Because basketball fans like us would tune in and people who are you know stuck in you know potentially stuck in quarantines or are you know working from home are going to want content to watch i mean there's there's no doubt about that right so uh they're going to pull out every stop that they can pull out but i think ultimately uh wednesday's events are just a reminder of the severity of the situation right um it was everybody was kind of waiting around for who's going to be patient zero and how does that change the thinking and uh, just it seemed like in a split second we got there. I found it interesting that uh, we talked about earlier how the NBA was waiting on somebody else to make a decision that um, it was reported that the Pelicans players are the ones that said they didn't want to play in the game against the Kings, and that was the game that was eventually canceled uh, on Wednesday night. I found that interesting that the players actually made the call, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the key factor there was the presence of the referee, which probably had people spooked because, again, it's like, you know, one degree of separation from uh, the player who was infected. And, of course, you know, referees are touching the basketball. They're coming into contact with players. They're within six to eight feet of the players. And um, but I think even more than that, uh, if I was those players, I wouldn't have wanted to play either. I mean, once you know that the schedule is is canceled starting on Thursday, you're sitting around there thinking, what do you mean starting on Thursday? What about this You know, th- this moment right now? Sacramento has had some cases not too far away uh, as well, sort of non-related to the, the NBA uh, you know, environment and culture. But still, nevertheless, there could be people who are infected. Um, the idea that they were going to go ahead with that game was questionable. Um, you know, of course, they probably the, the league probably felt, well, all the fans are already there. So it's a bummer to kind of cancel on them last minute. But uh, clearly that was the right move as well. And, uh, you know, in my mind, none of these games you know, should have been played in front of fans on Wednesday night. The NBA should have come up with a decision at that Wednesday meeting that was, uh, you know, clear, long lasting and uh, meaningful. And they just weren't able to do that. Yeah, it uh, it seems like. The hearing about Rudy Gobert and actually having someone, you know, a name to put to this feels like it made the NBA make a decision at that at that point, right? It yeah. just seem, it seems like uh, they needed some like a, maybe a face to put to this uh, because it just seems so ethereal. It seems so out there that it wasn't going to happen to you. And we talk about that in sports a lot, where you know, you know, people say that no, oh, that's not going to happen to me. And yeah, you know, we talk about this with the coronavirus. And now that you actually have Rudy Gobert, the defensive player, the reigning defensive player of the year, to put you know a name to the to the uh, to the crisis that it made the NBA actually act on this. You know, Nick, I think one other key point here is, you know, people have already seen the video of him kind of goofing around on Monday, touching everybody's microphones and, you know, almost like thumbing his nose at the fears of the coronavirus during an interview. And I do think that um, some empathy is in order, you know, making fun of him or demonizing him. I think that most of us, you know, were as guilty of sort of ignorance on this subject as he was 
if you if you rewind a week or rewind four to eight hours, right? And so put yourself in his shoes and think like, how much would you want to be this guy, right? Uh, you know, obviously, you know, you probably didn't do anything wrong to come in contact uh, with the coronavirus. Um, you probably didn't have enough education or knowledge about it to know the the right ways to handle things. You probably just continued about your business like all NBA players did, high fiving and signing autographs and doing all that stuff like they were doing uh, these last couple of days. And um, and then it turns out, well, now you've you've uh, you know tested positive for it and uh, you had no idea. Uh, you know, I feel quite a bit of sympathy for him. I would never want to be in his shoes. I imagine there's going to be quite a bit of guilt and sadness and shock that he's going through here in the short term. And I would just encourage fans, you know, don't don't pile on here. I mean, this is a tough spot for him to be in, tough spot for anybody to be in. And especially when you're a public figure, uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, I, I basically what I'm saying is I would rather not have to read his Twitter mentions, right, for the next six months. I mean, it's uh, or maybe even longer than that, maybe six years, 10 years. I mean, this could wind up being kind of a defining moment of his career, despite everything he's done on the court. Yeah, I mean, the, the Twitter mentions of any NBA player at any given moment are ridiculous. But at this point, to have, you know, something as um, topical as Corona and something that is uh, as even polarizing as I guess I could use that word as coronavirus has been so far to to see maybe what he's going through. I definitely understand, you know, feeling for him. And it's got to be scary, too, because, you know, there's a death rate to this and people can people have lots of people have died because of coronavirus and. Uh, it's something that he's never gone through, and now it's you know suspended play for the NBA. It seems like that's what you know came, people came down to the decision after Rudy Gobert tested positive. It'd be wild to hear from Rudy Gobert right now. I'd be very interested to hear what he is thinking and, and saying right now to people around him. Um, I'd imagine there's some level of regret um, for the you know what he was doing on Monday. Um, it's just it, it's insane to think of. Uh, like you said, this could be a defining moment in Rudy Gobert's career. He could be known as the player that you know came down with coronavirus first. Yeah, we actually have heard from one person who's been in contact with him, and that was Evan Fournier of the Orlando Magic. And obviously they're teammates uh, on the French national team. And Evan Fournier tweeted basically he was on the phone with Rudy, that he was all good, that people shouldn't panic. And I think that was an important message for him to put out. Um, but again, we don't know how long this uh, you know, disease could take to manifest, and we don't know where it's going to go for him. It's incredibly scary for Rudy Gobert, and, and my heart goes out to those players who are possibly still in the locker rooms there in Oklahoma City in terms of what the next steps are for them. Uh, like you mentioned, it will most likely be a multiple-week quarantine period for them and their family members, and uh, you know that that's something anybody can relate to. Yeah, to be, you know, well, I don't know if people can people even relate to a quarantine. I mean, I guess people have done self quarantine, but um, well, just just the fear factor, right, man, of this idea yeah. that, OK, you know, one of your loved ones now has been exposed to something that, you know, you don't know a lot about. You have no control over. And now it's it's it goes back to the idea of social distancing and and staying away from society. I mean, I think any of us can imagine how scary that would be. I mean, if one of your family members uh, called you up with that diagnosis, I mean, I think it would uh, it would drop your heart pretty quick, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the coronavirus is now becoming, you know, a word where you hear it and it, it creates fear in a lot of people. And uh, to hear someone that you know and love connected to that would be just terrifying. Um, Mark Cuban even mentioned that it feels like right now in the NBA we're in this, we're in a movie. It doesn't even feel real at this point. Is that how you're feeling right now, that it just doesn't even feel real at this point? Or is it starting to feel real with, you know, Rudy Gobert now being tested positive in the NBA suspended games? 
No, look, man, it's been a nightmare season. There's no way around. It's been one thing after another, and it's so demoralizing because what really hurts my heart is knowing how how much these superstar-level players especially put into their games, how seriously they take the sport. They dedicate themselves to a 24-7, 365 year-round. We're in the middle of a fascinating MVP chase, playoff race, Lakers versus Clippers, Bucks trying, you know, before Giannis's injury going for 70 wins, uh, Zion's resurgence, Steph Curry trying to get back on the court. I mean, there were so many great basketball stories percolating. And, you know, it was a really, really tough start to the year. Obviously, just an absolutely horrific and, and tragic uh, incident with Kobe Bryant, his daughter, and the other uh, victims of that helicopter crash. And I think everybody was holding out hope, at least I was, that, okay, maybe the playoffs can salvage this, right? Maybe if we get a classic Lakers-Clippers postseason series, maybe if we get, um, you know, Giannis ripping through the Eastern Conference and finally getting over the hump to the finals, like, this would sort of reset the basketball conversation. And unfortunately, it's gone completely the other way, right? And this is going to class the biggest possible cloud over all those guys' hard work, over the forthcoming games that we would witness uh, and everything else. So, you know, I wouldn't say it feels surreal. I would just say it's a gut punch. It's demoralizing. Uh, you know, usually I try to be a pretty positive guy on this podcast, man. But, you know, there's no spinning this. You know, it's a, it's a pandemic. Uh, it's It's bigger than basketball. It affects every single person who's related to the sport and not related to the sport. Um, and just from a, a pure encore perspective, it's just so sad. You know, I mean, just try to imagine, you know, any classic title or any title really from the last 20 years and the idea that maybe that could be wiped away by a, a disease that we can't control. Uh, you know, the, the stories of players' careers and their narratives being altered forever uh, because of a disease and then them not being able to go out there and perform on the court. I mean, it's it's sickening to me, uh, frankly, and, and there's no other way to put it. Yeah, there really isn't. It just feels... Um, there's, like you said, there's no way to spin this. There's no way to spin this to think, you know, some people, uh, as I was watching the Mavericks game, people were saying, well, the Mavericks will now be healthy for the playoffs. Well, like you said, we don't know if this is going to come back. Like, we're, such, we're in such uncharted territory right now with the coronavirus itself. And then with the NBA having to suspend play because of it, um, you'd have to go back to, I mean, forever since the last time that the U S has gone through something like this. And so for the NBA and the state that it's in to go through, um, the coronavirus outbreak to suspend play for something like this. Uh, it's uncharted territory and we don't know when it's going to come back. And it's just such an unknown. Um, and it's, it's incredibly surreal. And I just can't, I can't stop just repeating um, you know, the NBA suspended games because it still doesn't even completely feel real to me personally. Uh, I expect, you know, to wake up tomorrow and to be like, Oh, that was a dream. You know, but uh, at yeah. some point it's going to start being real to, you know, to me personally and and be real to a lot of people listening. I imagine too. No, I, I hear you on all that, man. I mean, my hands were shaking when I was tapping out the text message saying the season's suspended, right? Or the, or the tweet, rather, because um, you, you can't believe it. You know, I do think if there's any silver lining to uh, this situation, it's that if you are comparing it to previous like health epidemics, like the flu outbreak 100 years ago, I think that's sort of where you were going. Um, as a society, we're more connected now. We have better access to education. We understand what best practices are. We can disseminate that type of information. And, um, you know, our, our ability to respond as a society is better collectively than it was back then. Now, there's obviously some pros and cons to all that stuff. You know, there's way more international travel. Diseases can spread in, in, in more rapid manners and everything else. But the fact is, you know, we also can respond more quickly. And I think it, that's the silver lining here is that we saw some big time 
responses. Some of them were belated, there's no question, but we saw some big time responses uh, from the government and from private organizations like the NBA here over the last 24 hours. And hopefully that will continue. You know, I would just stress to everyone, take every possible precaution. If you're able to work from home, do it. Um, if you have family members who are at high risk categories, check in on them, make sure they're doing the right things and not exposing themselves unnecessarily. Be an active part of the solution here, because what we realize today that is that we all are confronting a very, very, very real problem. There's no dodging it. So how can you help fix things? You know, ask yourself that question when you're listening to this podcast and everybody out there who's listening has friends, has family, and they can kind of help spread the good word. And, and ultimately, that's how we're going to get through this. Uh, the last thing that we'll mention here is that um, Mark Cuban said that the NBA has told teams they can continue to practice, um, that players have been told that they should not have visitors from out of town. Uh, what do you think about the NBA allowing their players to continue practicing and to do team events like this? Well, I mean, most of the government uh, recommendations so far have applied to large groups, right? So 1,000 plus or 250 plus, um, you know, depending on, you know, exactly how big people are talking about. So a practice where there's 15 people involved and like, let's say there's not even media members present and there's not even, uh, you know, more than say like a trainer and some assistant coaches present, um, that would technically fall, I think, still, um, you know, under the appropriate guidelines. Now, uh, we'll see if, if that changes or how that unfolds, right? You know, I expect this is going to be changing pretty rapidly, just as it has over the last 24 hours. So I wouldn't rush to any assumptions about how long that would continue. Let's just put it that way. Um, but I do think that, you know, that that piece of advice, it might sound strange. It might sound kind of, uh, you know, it, it might sound scary to some people. But I think at this point, that would still fall under kind of a, an appropriate gathering size, uh, you know, according to the, the health experts. Everyone, you know where to find Ben Golliver on Twitter. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Nick Van Exit. Um, this is an incredibly strange time, and I'm not exactly sure how the network is going to continue. I know on Lockdown Mavericks, we're going to continue to to post episodes. Um, and Ben Golliver, I'm sure you're still going to continue to follow this and to uh, cover it yourself. Yeah, Nick, two final thoughts. First of all, basketball doesn't stop because the NBA stops, right? So I think that's a really important message. I mean, players are still going, like you're saying, some are going to be practicing. All of them are going to be working out in some capacity, producing content and everything else. So I think that the the wider NBA conversation will continue. Um, and, you know, we don't know what that looks like, but I'm sure it will continue in some form or fashion, right? And then second is, obviously, our, our thoughts go out to David Locke. I mean, the, the the network is named in his honor. This podcast is named in his honor. Every week I love, you know, arguing with and yelling <laughs> at and, and conversing with Locke on these Thursday episodes. And, of course, you know, he, he's affiliated with the Utah Jazz, and so we're, we're waiting for clarity on his situation. But, um, obviously, our best wishes go out to him, and uh, we hope that everything gets back to normal uh, as soon as possible for our guy, David Locke. Absolutely, yeah, and I'm filling in for him tonight, so hopefully everything uh, goes well with David Locke. Hopefully he's listening. Locke, we appreciate you. We love what you've done with this network, and I uh, hope that all is well. There we go, guys. We will be back from Lockdown NBA tomorrow. Uh, guys, thanks so much for listening. <laughs>